It is Thursday, April 14th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is filmed before a live studio audience. And now, Jeff Lagerman's personal duck blind, J.P. Shatrick. Welcome in. It is Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday afternoon on 1010XLAM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, the podcast on the iHeartRadio app, the Jaguars.com podcast page, and hit us up on Twitter tonight at J.P. Shadrick at Logs56. Coming up, of course, it's Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman each and every week. Offensive coordinator Press Taylor joins us in studio about 4.15. We'll hear from the new OC for the Jags. His first coordinator role in the NFL and his first week talking actual X's and O's with the quarterback and the offense. We are two weeks until the NFL draft. Prospect visits continue. The medical checks, everything going on, and we'll go around the National Football League. More quarterback news, as usually is the case. Jeff Lagerman with us now. Hi, Jeff. What's up? Hi, JP. Can you imagine being a uh, young Jaguars offensive coordinator like Press Taylor and to have a star-studded offensive cast of coaches? Think, I mean, that's think about that. That's right? kind of intimidating, you know. Doug Peterson, who he worked with for a long time in Philly. Mm-hmm. Mike McCoy who was a head coach in the NFL. Has been around the game forever. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter, greatest game name coordinator, greatest name in the NFL. He's been around for a while now. I mean, and you, then you've got the number one pick from last year. At the quarterback position, there's a lot of input going in, I think, to the offensive staff. I don't think he's going to be shy of, of opinions, but but I think it's a challenge, too, when you're a young guy to step in a role of being the offensive coordinator with a staff like that. To you, you, you better have you better have reasons and you better substantiate your opinions because if your reasons or your information is flawed, you're going to get called to the table with that group of all, on the offensive staff. That's right. There's no doubt. But about I mean, I, I can tell you this. I mean, as far as if you're a team guy, that's what you want. I mean, you want to have as star studded as an offensive cast as you can get, because a lot of times some of the and you go back to the Baltimore Ravens when they were in their heyday under Brian Billick. That was a staff that had a lot of strong personalities on defense. A lot of head coaches came from that staff. And when you talk to those coaches, they will tell you about many spirited discussions that they had (laughs) in staff meetings and spirited discussions that sometimes ended up coming down to a little bit of this, which I'm holding my knuckles up, I was told. Uh So I don't think it's going to get to that here in Jacksonville with the offensive staff. But, you know, hey, look, spirited conversation and discussion sometimes end up having some of your best ideas come to fruition. We'll hear from Press Taylor coming up in about 15 minutes or so here on Jaguars Happy Hour, the Jaguars offensive coordinator. Well, he does have his left tackle in place. Cam Robinson this week signed the franchise tender. $16.6 $16.6 million guaranteed dollars this year, and they have until July 15th to work on a long-term deal. If they don't get to that long-term deal, well, he'll pay, play for $16.6 million this year. Drinks are on camp. Well, it's <laughs> oh, you want him to buy for you? <laughs> yes, is that what you that's want? Right. Okay. Uh, $16 million is now guaranteed because the franchise uh, tag has been signed, if uh, and, and I think that's the right thing to do from a player standpoint. Why would you not? Because if you don't sign the franchise tag, that tag can be removed, and then you're put back out in the marketplace, and oh, by the way, 
there's a lot of teams that have spent their money already. So what would the market be? I don't know. Uh, but a smart thing to do by Cam, uh, because now in the meantime, now you can work on a long-term option with the football team if that is, in fact, the wishes of both the team and Cam. And to see if something can get done for a long-term type of situation. Because, uh, and, but I think it makes it challenging in this type of situation to work on a long-term deal. Because think about it, JP. You, you had the franchise tag last year that Cam signed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now it's going to be – he's got a franchise tag now. So if they want to keep him under contract for next year – so now you have the another the uh, the the uh, what is it another twenty percent increase uh, because there's there's from rules. last year to this year. The, so it was thirteen last year. The actual number for a franchise tag tackle anyway this year was about sixteen, but it's a twenty percent increase from last year, which is also right around sixteen. Exactly. So Same there's number. gonna there's gonna be another increase for next year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my point is is that if you're trying to negotiate a long term contract, if you're an agent. The starting point in negotiations for guaranteed money is the guaranteed money for franchise tag this year plus the guaranteed franchise tag for next year. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. So you, you basically take 16 plus 20% increase. You're looking at another, you know, let's just say 18 for round purposes. Let's say it's 18. And, I, and it might, might even be more than that, but I think it's somewhere in that range. But the rules change after a certain number of years of being tagged. But so now you add 18 to 16. So essentially the contract, the starting point is $34 million guaranteed right out of the gate before you even – and that's in the first two years guarantee. So uh, so that makes it a little bit challenging, I think, for uh, some guys that have received the franchise tag for more than just one year because now all of a sudden this, this conversation is kicking into play. Different position, I get it, but uh, remember quarterback Kirk Cousins with Washington? He had two different franchise tag seasons, 16 and 17, and then went to free agency at 18 and signed a fully guaranteed three-year, $84 million deal. Yeah, and I, th- I think – That's the business of football. He's well, winning. And I, and I think the reason why, because I think in the in year three of your franchise it's tag, there's a big jump. Huge escalator. It's, it's like yeah. 40% increase yeah. or something of that nature it's instead impossible. of the 20%, so it makes it very – very prohibitive. So, and 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 I think that's the case. So with Cam, then and when I was talking about, okay, thirty-four million is your start, starting point. It's actually more than that in that in that situation. Sure. I think with the third consecutive tag. So congratulations to Cam Robinson. Yeah, um, no, it's great. Fantastic. I mean, look, uh, uh, he deserves it. He's a he's a good football player, and he I think is uh, the best part about Cam is I think it was what Trent Baalke talked about back when Trent Baalke and, and Doug Peterson had this informal little sit down with the media and Trent shared some of the stories about Cam saying hey look here's a guy that's always available because availability always supersedes uh, talent and ability always and with Cam he's a guy who loves ball he's competitive he finishes um, he does all the things that you want to have a good football player do. Now, can he be better footwork-wise and some of the some of the basics of playing left tackle? When I say basics, some of the basic footwork things. Yes, he can get better at that. But we all, everybody can get better, even at year five or six or seven, wherever that is a pro. The off-season program is upon us now. It started on Monday. Strength and conditioning meetings. It's all very, very voluntary, but uh, important to get some things established with the new coaching staff, new, new new terminology, and get the ball rolling on just starting the organization anew from the beginning. Trevor Lawrence spoke this week as well 
about working with the receivers and getting things started with a new coaching staff. We started throwing a little bit all together. This is the first time we could use the facility. So um, offseason, obviously, most of those guys that are new didn't get here until right before we start OTAs. So they're trying to you know find places, all that. So didn't get to work with them much this offseason. So now we got a lot of time. You know, We have two weeks of just throwing our own. And then we'll have that period in, after those two weeks where we start getting out there with some coaches, some routes on air, all that stuff. So you got time to progress into it. I feel like we're in a good spot. Right now, it's, I think, more important just to get everybody speaking the same language when we're doing the installs, whatever it is, get everybody on the same page so when we're out there, we're all saying the same things. Because if you're out there and no one really is on the same page and you call routes different things, it makes it more difficult. So we're, we're getting there now. We're working towards it. Well, as he said, they have some time. It is April. They have another week, and then they can get on the field with the coaches and do some minor things. But the, the language thing, I think, is the big thing. There's a brand-new offense. It'll be his second offense as a quarterback in the NFL. Like we said, all these coaches come from different backgrounds as well. What concepts are called is a, a very important baseline. Yeah, well, they, they have to all learn to speak the same language. That has to happen as a staff before that can be passed on to the players. And, and they're, we talked about it last week a little bit with Mike Caldwell, the defensive coordinator, about everybody getting on the same page. And so uh, that's an, a, an important part to the offseason. But, you know, I, I want to say this about the offseason program. If you're, if you're a player and you're signed under contract by whatever NFL team, and you're not participating in their off-season program, you're not very smart. And the reason I say that is that if you are training on your own and you sustain some kind of injury, you're on your own. I mean, so why would you not use the facilities that the NFL has, every team, and then also the, the injury protection that is built in that if you sustain – some type of injury, you're covered if it's happening under the umbrella of the team. Right. If you're doing it on your own, you're on your own. And I, I just, I, I think it would be insane if anybody were to not participate in the club's OTA programs. Also, what Trevor said there about a lot of guys getting moved back in the town. Uh, look, uh, this is a, an amazing place to live, and a lot of these guys are new to the football team. And so some of them are trying to find where they're going to live and moving families, et cetera. So I get that. The guys that are already on the team, they should already be here. And, uh, and because you want to be able to work with your quarterback. Trevor's living here. Look, if I'm, if I'm a receiver, I'm a tight end, I'm here, man. I'm, I'm going to be here living with my quarterback. I'm in front of him every single day if hey, I'm Trevor. catching the football. Throw it to me, bud. Here I am. I want, I want him to see my face every day. <laughs> so right. that, you know, you build the camaraderie, you build the relationship, and you build the trust. And so when you catch balls from your quarterback, that's what it's all about. You want to catch as many balls as you can right now so that he has a comfort level with you when you get to September. Hey, if somebody can't make it, you know what? I'm going to go out there and take uh, fill in. I know that'll be really productive for the quarterback if I were to run rounds. You? Yeah, me. JPU? No? Not not quite, huh? I Maybe don't, not. I don't, yeah, I don't think. Uh, hey, that's a no. That's a hard no. Well, it, the only thing that would help the quarterback is that if, you know, if one of the big offensive linemen ran around around the goal line, that's maybe the only thing that you could simulate, just trying to say. Thank you Truth, very much. You know. um, this is Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL and Jaguars.com. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Press Taylor coming up in just a few minutes. We'll get his thoughts on the first few days talking football with Trevor Lawrence and the offense. 
Well, all this is happening, and we're two weeks to the NFL draft logs. Of course, um, you know, the final uh, runway before the number one overall pick, and the last second things are, are likely happening now. Last security checks, the medical checks, a prospect visits are still going on. I think there's a little more time for that. You know, last year, uh, Jaguars had the number one pick for the first time ever, and his quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Mm. And it was built far, for it, wasn't he? far from an ideal rookie campaign for Trevor. But it's equally important this time. Another number one overall pick. you got to have somebody that can handle it. I, I think when we learned this not only, I think, through the course of the season with, uh, with the debacle of the Urban Meyer regime, that Trevor Lawrence can, can handle anything. And part of being a first overall draft pick, look, you always have that attached to you. And also you have this, uh, this level of expectation that is nobody else is going to have anything close to that because you always – and I don't want to say it's a stigma, but you have, hey, look, he's the first overall draft pick, okay? Trevor was built to handle it. Sure. I mean, he handled it uh, like a true professional – uh, all the situations that came his way in the team's way last year that weren't very favorable for different reasons. I thought Trevor handled it beautifully. But this year, now you're you're looking at the first overall pick again, and when you evaluate all these prospects that are under consideration for the number one overall pick, you better make sure that you're evaluating the person and can they handle – the scrutiny that's going to come with being the first overall pick. Because if you're going to pick somebody who's just happy to be there, it ain't going to work. If you pick somebody that can't withstand some criticism, then that's not the person that you want. So I, I think you have to have and do a real – I mean, because that's one of the reasons why the NFL has all these extended opportunities to interview – these potential draft picks by bringing them in, by spending time with them at the combine, by vetting them. And that's probably the most important aspect is JP is not the talking to the person directly and be in a combine setting because that's all scripted and players are prepared. When you bring them in, you get a little bit more of an opportunity and and it's in your building. So there's a, a lack of comfort on the prospects side of things to maybe make you get a, a little bit more of a true feel on that person. But also, when I talk about the vetting process, you better make sure that you're talking to a lot of people that have been around that prospect for the last number of years. I mean, if you want to go back to his high school time, you should do that. Because if you don't do that, then you'll end up having a situation to where you have a player which is not the kind of player that you want for your program. And I'm not going to name any names that have been here in the past, but I'm sure people can figure that out. Yeah, I think they can. Because, I mean, there's, there's right. I mean, the reality is the Jaguars have picked number one picks overall in its history, okay, that the, the players were not properly vetted enough. First round picks, yes. Not yes. number one overall. But yes. The first pick for the franchise. Yes, I'm with you. So, I mean, that's, I, that's right. you know, when you say vetting, you know, and that's, that's a term that's uh, it's very, uh, I guess you could say, in a, in a proper setting – for a lot of politicians, you know, you got, you got to vet a candidate. Okay, well, look, I mean, these candidates for your franchise, I mean, that's no different. I mean, you got to have people that have uh, an incredible high character, moral morals, et cetera, because that's what you're building your program around. And you've got an oppor- opportunity here with a new staff and a new general manager 
that is uh, much more in charge than I think what he was last year. So, look, uh, do it right. Make sure it's right. Today, the Jaguars announced the 2022 Duval Draft Party presented by Baptist Health. It's Thursday, April 28th, 6 o'clock. The doors open at Daly's Place. The draft party back at Daly's for the first time since 2019. Gates 1 and 4 will open at 6 o'clock. And then live draft analysis and onstage appearances by head coach Doug Peterson and select Jaguars players. And then at 8, 8 o'clock, of course, watch the draft from the NFL Network at Daly's Place. We'll have a reaction on Jaguars.com as well. Visit jaguars.com slash official. Let me try that again. Jaguars.com. You want me to read it? Slash official draft party. Starting tomorrow to register for tickets. Season ticket members have early access starting right now. So check your email for more. We're back in a moment. Press Taylor, Jaguars offensive coordinator, joins us after this. It's Jaguars happy hour on the Jaguars digital network. I really like his demeanor. It's really, really calm. I mean, similar, honestly, to to Coach Bevel as far as demeanor. Really calm, never gets too high or too low. Um, so I really like that. It's the type of guy I like to be around. And then as far as just offensively, bring some different things to the table. Obviously, we haven't been together for long. and only really started on, on Monday, so can't say too much right now. But really like the way he thinks about things and just how he, the offense is so complimentary. Um, and just how he schemes things up. I think he does a really good job of finding the weak points of defenses and exposing them, and I just think he's really smart. And being able to talk to him, I think we align pretty well, and we're, we're on the same page. That's Trevor Lawrence, of course, Jaguars quarterback. Welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour on a Thursday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with you. Jeff Lagerman back in with us here in a few minutes, and uh, that's the quarterback talking about offensive coordinator Press Taylor, who joins us in studio now. That's some, some nice words from the QB. What's oh, up, really? Coach? I paid him to say that. So. Uh, did you yeah, really? The check cleared. Yeah. That's good news. So, all right, so th- let's start with that. The, the calm demeanor, the, the poise, the you know, not screaming. You're not, that's not your style. And that fits right in, apparently, with the quarterback. That relationship, obviously, is key for the success around here, right? Of course, yeah. It's, it's all about putting – all our guys in the best position to succeed, but obviously that starts with the quarterback. A lot of times when your quarterback's playing well, everybody around him is playing well. Um, and that, that's giving him things that he likes, putting him in a position where he understands. And we can come up with all sorts of football plays, but if he doesn't love it, doesn't believe in it, it's probably not going to work out. So we want to be make sure we're in lockstep with him as we build this thing. You know, it, it, actually first uh, started to talk football this week for the first time. Maybe you've met him before, but you actually get into the X's and O's this week with the offseason program finally there. What's the first thing that stands out about Trevor when you sit down in a football meeting room with him? He, he's very mature. He asks, and a lot of times, you know, we haven't had a lot of football conversations, but he asks great questions. So that that's always one of the things that you know he's engaged. You know, you can kind of tell by the questions that a, a guy asks of kind of whether he likes it, where he's tracking, how he sees it. Um, and he, he and really all the quarterbacks, Jake and CJ, they've done a great job with the questions they ask, the response they're given, the engagement they're given. So it's exciting. You know, uh, there's a lot of offensive minds around here, obviously, the head coach. Uh, you've been with him for a long time in, in Philly. Um, Mike McCoy's been in the league for a long time as a head coach. Jim Bob Cooter, the passing game coordinator. You know, crafting all those ideas and philosophies together as one with the quarterbacks involved, I'm sure, as well. Um, 
you know, you've been in all those roles, though. Quality control guy, um, assistant quarterback coach, QB coach. Pass, you've done all these things. How does that help you uh, take in information from all different types of mindsets? Yeah, I mean, I, I know – I think part of it is, like, I know how I liked being treated in each of those roles and, and, and what kind of input I could provide and things like that. So part of it's being clear in your communication with what your expectation is for everybody. And and then at the on top of that, with a lot of – you know, former quarterbacks and guys that have coached quarterbacks or been coordinators in this league. A lot of it's everybody putting their ego aside and realizing we, we don't need to do what we all did in the past. It, this is about putting our guys in the best position to create the 2022 Jacksonville offense. And that's what we're trying to do. Press Taylor with us, Jaguars offensive coordinator. You're, you're balancing building the scheme, but you know, free agency was here. Still right. is. It never really ends. Uh, the draft is coming up. Right. Um, you know, that's all after arriving in like early February. There's not a lot of time to put all this together. How do you balance all the time for all three of those things? That's what it, I mean. It, at times, it feels like it's an in-season schedule where we're just kind of here all day. That's the good and the bad of this this business necessarily is like when you do have a sudden move like this, which a lot of us we all moved in from other places. Your family's kind of left behind now. The bad part of that is that you're not with your family, which we all enjoy in the offseason. That's the great part about life in the NFL. But it gives you the ability then you come in early, you stay late. We get a chance to kind of make up that ground with that time where maybe it's, you know, football in the morning, personnel in the afternoon, playing for the next day at night. So that's kind of been the schedule we've all kind of worked off since we kind of got here, really. Just kind of hit the ground running when the players get here. What's the first thing you notice when you're – Digging into the Jaguars tape from a year ago, obviously you, you know, were on, in the division, not looking at the Jags' offense as much on the other side with Indy last year. When you first flipped on the Jaguars' offense, what stood out? What did you inherit as an offensive coordinator? Part of it, on, for, on good and bad, you get a chance to evaluate a lot of guys, but there's a lot of guys on the tape. You know, you saw a lot of guys that missed time with injuries and yeah, things like that that really right. affected a lot of things. It, it hurts the chemistry of some things as you go, but it gives guys good experience, gives us a chance to evaluate more actual game tape of some of these guys. But there's a lot of talent, and there's a lot of young talent, which is exciting. You know, obviously, starting with Trevor, um, but the pieces around, th there is young talent that we're excited to work with and look forward to. Press Taylor with us. Uh, you mentioned the family. Settled in, everybody around, everybody here. I mean, it's a whirlwind in a month and a half, two months' time. We're finally settled in, so we got the keys to our house this last week and finally started moving in, so now it's – I work all day, I go home, and I work all night at home trying to get boxes out and do all that type of stuff. But definitely makes it life a little bit better when your family's around. It never ends, uh, of course. <laughs> the, the work never ends, that's for sure. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman back in a moment. Offensive coordinator Press Taylor joining us now. Uh, free agent additions. Let's go through some of these guys because we've, we've talked about them in so many different formats here, but it's nice to hear it from the guy who's putting the offense together. And let's start off with Christian Kirk. $37 million guaranteed dollars, but the versatility. He said it in his opening press conference, hey, I'm not just a slot receiver. I'm here to do a lot of different things. What can he bring for your offense? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's the versatility of we can align him all over the formation. He can do a number of different things. He can win on the outside. He's a great decision maker with great speed, which you, know, you don't always hear that about receivers being great decision makers, but he really is. So you can put him – in, the, in positions to be able to adjust things and get on the same page with Trevor. Um, you know, I, probably something I didn't know about him was the, the, his demeanor. As a, We've been around each other for a week. He's got a great demeanor about himself. He, again, asked great questions similar to the quarterbacks where I think that makes up for a lot of the t less time on the grass where they have the ability to just sit and communicate in a meeting room and get on the same page. And he brings that element. He brings a big play. He's a dynamic player. 
Uh, he's good with the ball in his hands. He's able to win a number of different ways, which is intriguing for us. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard decision maker used right. in a wide receiver. I mean, how do you know that? How do you find that out about a guy? Part of that's the the way he talks. The the questions he asks, like I'm saying, you know, he'll ask versus this coverage. Can I adjust this way versus that? Do, yeah. do you expect me to do this? What does Trevor? Want? You know. He's asked those type of questions where it, it makes you confident and, okay, this guy's picking it up. And, and we knew a lot of that when we dug into him uh, throughout the free agency period. Zay Jones, a guy who's been a couple different places in the league. Uh, we've seen some highlights out of him too. What do you think so far a few days into the offseason program? Zay's a similar guy. Zay is extremely cerebral, another one that asks great questions. And that's kind of going to be the core with a lot of the guys uh -huh. we talk about, the high-character guys, love football. Seems really like a theme. It. Yes. It, it is a little bit of a theme. <laughs> Um, and that's not by accident. So these are guys that, that we, we kind of know from – we've talked to – we researched these guys through players that they played with, coaches that coached them, college coaches that coached them. Um, so we, we have a good feel for what we're getting out of these guys. Uh, and, and Zay has done nothing to disappoint. Zay is he's a great teammate. He's done a great job early on in this process of getting to know everybody and getting to learn some things. Let's go to the tight end room. You know, I was thinking about this earlier today before we were about to do this conversation. And – I guess it was around 2010, right? The Patriots got Gronk and Hernandez in that same draft right. together. And, yes, there had been really good tight ends in the league before that, but that combination kind of changed the mindset of a lot of offensive thinking around the NFL because right. of the success of that crew. Uh, not calling this crew that, but Evan Ingram comes in. you got Dan Arnold, two guys that can go out and catch the football. Having that option as a quarterback and an OC has to help. Absolutely. It gives you the ability to create matchups, and that's what we're looking for. When we put Evan Ingram on the field, who's going to cover him? Do you do you need to bring in a lighter body? Do you put a nickel on him? Do you put a safety on him? Do you put a, a linebacker on him, which we would ask for if you get to pick? Um, but Evan kind of brings that with his, his, his speed overall, first and foremost. But he's got – he, he again, he's got a guy that's got a lot in his body in terms of the wiggle and the decision making, the ability to make the option routes, the read routes, stretch the, stretch down the field. Does a great job with the football in his hands. You know, if you just get him out, whether it's a check down, a flat route, whatever that may be, you get a chance to see that speed and space, which we're looking to do all the time. Press Taylor with us, and we'll finish on the offensive line. Brandon Sheriff, longtime uh, pro, of course, in Washington, uh, perennial. All pro and Pro Bowl player, and just brings that kind of attitude, I think, to that room. Right, and that's a big part of it. Is we we know what we're getting in the room. Obviously, uh, Coach Rosher had the ability to work with Brandon when they were in Washington together, so he could vouch for the character and the, the leadership, and and it was really off the charts. He kind of went on and on about it, and then obviously the talent on tape, the the Pro Bowls, the All Pro, all that stuff. He's an incredible talent. Um, you know, somebody that we, we look forward to adding and in, incorporating in our offense as we go. Press, final thoughts with you here. You know, in your past, you're kind of credited for some of the key plays in the Eagles run. We've known that from the old days, right? Different role back then. You're now the offensive coordinator. Do you still try to dig and find new ways, new plays, steal ideas from college pro teams? Is that still – in your workflow, how much football do you watch on a regular basis otherwise beyond Jaguars tape and all that? and Or does that come in a natural progression for an offense in your personnel? Yeah, um, we're always looking for what we think fits us. So if you see a route on tape and, okay, that's a great route, do we have a guy that could do that, that would fit in a skill set? Does it fit everything else around that we're doing? Um, how expensive is it if it is something unique? Now, that's one of the things we'll talk about a lot is how expensive is this? Do we want to invest in new ideas that are going to cost a lot of time that we're not going to get a lot 
of return on. Uh, so you spend a lot of time, and it's the things we're comfortable with, but the things that we feel like our players can do really well, um, and we can teach really well, we can explain, we have evidence of. Uh, but you really you want to know what you're talking about, obviously, for the guys. You want you have to be able to prove to them that you can put them in positions to succeed, and then and then give them things that they do really well. All right, you're what four days in now to the off season program. Are, are you on track? What's coming up the next week or so? And and take us through just a, a normal day in the office right now. Yeah, right right now. So it starts. You know, the players get in here about nine o'clock. Sometimes we have a team meeting. Sometimes we don't. They get in. There, they got the ability to lift, and then we have the ability to meet with them. They go out and, and run with the strength coaches. But in this phase one portion, we're not allowed to go on the grass with them yet. So it's actually great in terms of the teaching progression of things where we get a chance to sit in a calm environment. There is no pressure to go out and perform on this play two hours later in practice right now. So you get a chance to ask a lot of questions to, to see what their retention is on things. But it's really it's a pretty good process in terms of the progression of things and how we can teach our offense and we learn going forward. But, I mean, I can just see it in your face. <laughs> you can't wait to get on the grass. Yeah, we're down in sunny guys. Florida, too. I want to get outside. Absolutely. So. It's cave in here. Exactly. So I'm down. Hey, Press, thanks for the time. Really appreciate, appreciate it, man. Yep. Good luck to you. Thank you very we'll much. We'll see you down the line. Press Taylor with us. Uh, the Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season as Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jaguars lead the charge. Lock in your seats at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. Jeff Lagerman returns in a moment. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Good morning. Good morning. Our goals this season should be out of reach, but never out of sight. My job is to put these goals right in front of us. And so we're striving and attaining, and we're trying to go after these goals every single day. Put it in your head right now that we plan on playing in January and February. That is a teaser for Chapter 2 of The Hunt. It airs tonight, 7 o'clock, on the Jaguars' YouTube channel. That from the first team meeting of the offseason program. And, of course, head coach Doug Peterson in front of the room. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman back with us now. Our thanks to Press Taylor, Jaguars offensive coordinator, for spending some time today. It's a busy time. A lot going on. Draft two weeks away. Free agency. The players are in. The offseason program's here. They're trying to build and craft this offense together, but it was nice of them to take a few minutes today. What stood out? Well, a couple couple things. One, remember that uh, they're behind the eight ball a little bit. Okay, they got a late start because yeah. it's a new staff, and then also uh, it was uh, one of the later staffs that was put together. So uh, I don't want to say they're playing catch up, but uh, maybe in some cases they are. So, uh, but I think the one thing that stood out to me was was press talked about how much time are you going to invest in something to get what in return uh, as an offensive play caller? Yeah. And I thought that that was very telling because you want to make sure that you're efficient with your time. And making sure that, okay, let's not spend 30 hours in trying to design this one play that we're going to use maybe one time through the season. And, and I think that that's very smart. You want to make, because it, here's the thing all of this that we're talking about, about where the players are at right now, and that, okay, they come in, they can't go out on the, the, the coaches can't go on the grass with the players that has to be on their own. Okay, they have a little bit of a meeting. It's all very limited because of the collectively bargained rules. And so there's only so much time. So you have to make sure that you have 
an economical way of navigating your time frame as coaching staff, especially when you have a new staff and you're going to be installing a completely new system. So I think that was very smart on his part to talk about the amount invested and what you can actually potentially get in return. You know, hearing Trevor Lawrence talk about it earlier this week, you know, he likes his demeanor, his calm demeanor, even keel. Well, everybody's and, calm, JP, oh, in April. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, come on. And he walks in the room, and, okay, that makes sense. But uh, when when it gets real, come might, July, August, he September. He might turn into Billy Bob Screamer, <laughs> you know, when it comes uh, to September, October, November. I mean, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's calm, calm demeanors are always yeah. uh, good for a quarterback because – to play the position of quarterback. Could you imagine if last year's defensive line coach were coaching the quarterback position? <laughs> okay. What was his name? I forget his name. Uh, but like Joe All Cullen, I know or is – Joe Cullen, right? Or Just, Joe Cullen, yeah, right. who was a defensive was, coordinator yeah, who right. uh, was very loud. Can you imagine Joe Cullen trying to coach quarterbacks? I mean, he would do a fine job. But, I mean, it's just – it's it's different. I mean, quarterback – You've got to be able to make great decisions, and you've got to be able to stay calm. Your mind has to work. You have to have a coach that kind of emanates that calmness about him so that that can be, I guess, duplicated by the quarterback on game day. So, yeah, so that's a good fit. I like what Trevor said. Uh, I also like what Trevor said as far as about how things are working, and, uh, and Press Taylor I think is going to be really good for Trevor. I think it's going to be a good fit. I think the, the head coach is a good fit when it comes to making all of this work. And I think Doug Peterson obviously was the most important thing here in this hiring cycle for this football team. And he's done, I think he's done a masterful job of putting together a really strong offensive staff, really strong. Uh, Tosh Lapoy was his name, by the way, defensive line was. coach from, from last year. <laughs> God, he's just, like, I just wanted to go over and walk over to him and practice sometimes and go, Tosh, man, just – just to, to take. Do you have blood pressure medicine? Can I get you some? I mean, come on, man. Let's hear from uh, Shaquille Griffin. He spoke with the media earlier this week and has been around the league a few years now. Obviously, came in free agency last year and was asked about the difference from the coaching staff from last year to now. Get a chance to be with coaches who have experience in the league. You know, uh, the first day we met with coaches, and people are saying, "Yeah, I was in the league ten years, eleven years, ten years, twelve years." That actually played. That's amazing to me, and that's a person who can understand anything that I might see or go through or maybe in the future that can help me out. So I feel like the atmosphere is different because it's so relatable. Yeah, it certainly is, and uh, all the assistant coaches have that. Uh, Deshae Townsend is the cornerback's coach. He has that certainly, played in the league for a long, long time, and uh, that's that's a uh, big thing when you have to st stand in front of that room. You have you can relate to pretty much anything. Well, it gets their attention, yeah. but then after you have gotten their attention as a coach, you have to give them substance. But there's no question that a lot of the things that a player may go through, the coach can relate to that's played the game. And I, I think that matters just as far as relating to the players and when it comes to messaging and uh, and and. And building a relationship, I, th I think all of that helps. But again, I'm, I'm going to say this again. You have to be able to show the player that you can help them become a better player. If you're a former player and you're a crappy coach, okay, you're going to eventually be viewed as a crappy coach that can't help me play football better than what I'm playing right now. And it doesn't become of any use to a player. So it opens the door initially. It cracks the door open. But then the information the teachings, and everything else have to cast to keep that door open. Looking forward to seeing that cornerback room, by the way. 
Darius Williams on one side, uh, Shaq Griffin, Tyson Campbell was on drive time earlier this week. Well, I think yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they formulate a plan for these three guys and beyond. I mean, I'm not talking Trey about Herndon those, yeah, too, Trey right? Herndon's in the mix. I mean, it's, I don't want to sh- you know, cut anybody out here, but uh, the obvious question is, okay, you have a, a big free agent acquisition last year. You have a big free agent acquisition this year. You have a promising young draft pick from last year. How do you make these three guys be the most productive for this football team? And uh, that's what the coach's responsibility is. They've got to find a way to make these personalities and these traits work for this defense because everybody has a trait that that can help a defense. And just, just real quick, I, I think that's always what has made Bill Belichick such a great coach and that he can find guys that have a couple of traits that can help a football team win in a very defined role. He's not looking for a guy that's going to eventually be a, a different role player three or four years away from the current moment that we're in. He, he finds guys that, hey, this guy, he can fill this role this year and do it very well. And I think that's what you have to be able to do to be successful as a coaching staff. Find out what the players do well and then define that role and allow them to thrive in that role. Let's come back in a moment. We'll take a live look outside at the Football Performance Center. There's a wall going up. I, I saw some cinder blocks, JP. Yes. Well, some uh, walls are going up. On Jaguars.com and our Jaguars social channels. You'll see that in a moment. We'll go around the NFL also. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Is there also a part of me that was like, man, I'm glad I don't have to go through that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, definitely. Just, that's just the human element of it. Uh, just seeing the results, you definitely like, Phew. if there was any year to miss, I missed a great one. <laughs> so. That is Travis Etienne Jr. earlier this week, quote of the week so far. And welcome back, Jaguars Happy Hour. We take a live look outside. If you're watching on Jaguars.com, Jags social media, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, the footprint of the Football Performance Center. And there is concrete going, uh, yes, down as – foundation but concrete wall going up logs we that would progress. be that would be center block the yes. center block wall is going up that's kind of in the uh the right hand side of your picture there that little gray boxy looking thing mm-hmm. that's center blocks and it's taller than it looks on the screen so the it uh, it actually looks like a construction site now instead of a uh, motocross park <laughs> right the uh, the footprint on the former uh, practice field site, which before that was Wolfson Park. I wonder if the guy in the bulldozer would let me drive that for a little while. Are you qualified? Do you have a license for that thing, uh, sir? No, but I, I, I can drive a bulldozer, believe it or not. But not on this ground you can, no, sir. No, no, no. Without a license. No. I I, that's against the, the That's policy. like That's like when you were a kid, JP, did you not have Tonka, Tonka trucks? Tonka trucks, yes. Tonka Dad toy still trucks. Ha- Dad still okay, has Were they plastic the or were they, they were metal? metal? You had metal ones? Yes. You must have gotten some hand-me-downs. <laughs> they were, they were. Uh, I don't know. I was too young to know where they came from. Joe had titanium steel, like old-school <laughs> red-iron steel Tonka toy trucks. I had uh, just the regular metal Tonka toy trucks. Well, this is his real Joe Fortunato. You're going to like this. I had a Tonka truck, a big metal. It was a car carrier 
with four 1963 Corvettes on No way. It. That's yeah. where it You were comes ruined from. ever since then. That's, that's that why. <laughs> that explains a lot, actually. That's where your problems started, Joe. <laughs> that's right. How many Corvettes have you owned oh, in your lifetime, gosh. real quick? Because there's a reason why we're saying that. I, uh, the next one will be number nine. Good Lord. Wow. <laughs> Uh, let's go you around. You might have a problem. Yeah. See, that's that's like brainwashing as a child. Somebody gave you those Tonka Troy trucks with the Corvette carriers, and you were ruined ever since. Well, at least he, you know, he's picking nice guys. He could have picked Yugos. I mean, he's picking Corvettes. No, uh, JP, the Yugos would have been for the for the monster trucks to drive over, <laughs> or the true. Tonka trucks to drive over, not to be carrying them. Let's go around the National Football League and get into the quarterback position. Kyler Murray. News came out today. Well, not really news. But he's in the headlines, at least. He's not expected to play for the Cardinals without a new contract. He's due about $5 million this year. And with all the money flying around the NFL with quarterbacks as of late, Kyler Murray apparently thinks he should have some of that. Isn't it funny how some guys will do this, I guess, social media protest? Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off all of the likeness of the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah away from my Instagram and Twitter account because I'm mad. I need a new contract. Well, I mean, it's, look, it's business, okay? Everybody's going to er, – everything happens in a, in a proper time frame, okay? Do you think that taking all names and likenesses of the Arizona Cardinals off of your Instagram account is going to sway the ownership of the Arizona Cardinals saying, oh, my gosh, we can't have that? Give me a break. Come on, man. Do it the right way. Be a pro. What are they going to do? If they, if well, they don't have play. to give him anything. I mean, that's the reality, yeah. isn't it? Here's the thing. At the end of the season last year, he was not very good, although he was one of the most exciting quarterbacks by far in the early part of the season. The performance waned. So win a playoff game, be about performance and leadership and everything else. Everything else will take care of itself. You don't need to have all these other uh, trumped-up protests, okay, to, to earn yourself a new contract. You earn that new contract, and that will come. Speaking of, a guy who has done it the right way over the years and signed a three-year extension with the Las Vegas Raiders, Derek Carr. He was scheduled to make $21 million this season. That's now 24 this season. The extension kicks in in 23. He'll be guaranteed another $40-plus million then. Reported total value is $121.5 million. Went to the playoffs last year, and that is a it's a, a crazy division now. They're trying to keep pace. Carr gives them stability at the position. Yeah, and, and look, uh, I, th- I think some people might have a pretty strong opinion to you and should you have given that extension to him. Uh, but uh, he, look, they've got Josh McDaniels there now, and they believe very strongly in him. Can he do that? Did he? Take all the Las Vegas Raiders names and likenesses off of his Twitter I'm account. I'm gonna guess no. Oh. I don't think he's that kind of. But it worked out for him somehow. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh man. Same draft class, by the way, as Blake Bortles. So he's been around for a long time now. Uh, with the boat. Yes. Yeah. They Blake's all came the through here on like the same day on prospect visits. Right. And, him. And Teddy Derek Bridgewater. Was, uh, what, what round? What round was Derek? Uh, he was pretty high, I think. But I don't. He wasn't first round. I don't remember exactly. I thought he was second the second round. round yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. And, uh, and look, uh, 
I'm, I'm not saying anything to criticize Blake Bortles, but boy, if you had had been able to switch the quarterback yeah. pick out, uh, would have been vastly different. Uh, 36th overall for okay. Derek Carr. Yeah, so top of the second, second round. round. Yeah, look, he's a good quarterback, and uh, I, I think uh, under the right tutelage, I think he can win. Is he a guy that you sit there and you go, "Hey, look, we're we're all in with him"? No, I think you're still one of those guys mm-hmm. that you still now. continue to shop. Okay. Well, another guy that wants to be shopped right now, but isn't as of this moment, is Baker Mayfield. He says he feels, quote, disrespected about how it ended in Cleveland. Quote, here's the quote from a podcast this week. 100% because I was told one thing and they completely did another. That's what I'm in the middle of right now. I got my taste of it because I've had four different head coaches in four years, a bunch of different coordinators, end quote. He's still on the roster in Cleveland, and he also said that Seattle is – the most likely option, though, that may not be his decision. Well, Seattle just signed Geno Smith to one-year Correct, deal. Correct, today, so, yes. I mean, does that mean that Baker's going to be uh, or have a chance to go to Seattle? I don't know about that. Did they do him wrong? Well, or does it matter? Look, it doesn't matter. I mean, that I think what you just said right there is the most important thing because it does not matter. I mean, as a, as a player that played hurt all year for the team, and for the organization, does he have a right to be upset? Yeah, because he did play hurt and uh, where a lot of other players or some other players might not have. So does a player feel disrespected about the treatment that he's received since then after he sacrificed his body for the team this past year? I, I totally understand his point, but at the end of the day, JP, you're right. It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. So it's about business. And they signed Deshaun Watson to a historic contract for a guy that has a lot of questions in his, in his past and in, in the background and also questions about his future. Is that the right thing that the Cleveland Browns ownership did? No, I don't think so. But, uh, but it is what it is. And at some point – the Browns will trade Baker Mayfield when it benefits them the most. And unfortunately, that's the nature of the business. And at some point, Baker Mayfield, if he plays well enough, then he will hold the cards. And But right now, a rookie contract, not great performances, coming off injury, and a team that has just signed a guy to a record contract, he just has to wait and bide his time. Geno Smith, by the way, as you mentioned, that uh, one-year contract and what was it uh, not a huge? It's number. not a bunch of money. Yeah. He's in there. He's brought in there to compete. They got he's got some off-field issues Locke. too. He had uh, suspicion of DUI after Week 18 in January, and he's got some court stuff coming. And uh, well, they got uh, Andrew Locke, the former Broncos quarterback, as far as the, oh, yeah, that that's right. trade that they had. Mm-hmm. So they've got some guys that are going to be in there competing. Now, could they bring Baker Mayfield into that and and let him, let him compete? I yeah, I don't see why not. Mm. But the 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 Seahawks certainly have the room. Look, they they cleaned house now. I mean, Russell Wilson gone, Bobby Wagner gone, and they've got they've got, they've got the cap room to be able to uh, make some additional decisions at that quarterback position because the guys that they have, it's not like they're costing them a ton of money. They're not paying anybody over $20 million, or I don't even know what the highest paid guy because Locke's still on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. That's right. Russell Will, um, not Russell Wilson, but Geno Smith is probably on a one-year oh, $7 million deal, like somewhere in that range. I don't range. even think it was that high. It might not even be that yeah. much. So it's, it's not like 
it's going to be prohibitive now if all of a sudden they trade for Baker Mayfield. Stop me if you've heard this before, Logs, but the Washington Commanders are in the news for something other than football. <laughs> the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Oversight and Reform sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission saying the Commanders and owner Dan Snyder, quote, may have engaged in a troubling, long-running, and potentially unlawful pattern of financial conduct that victimized thousands of team fans and the National Football League, end quote. The Washington Post was the first to report uh, withholding security deposits on premium seating and using the money for other purposes. They say the team underreported ticket revenue and would at times falsely claim a portion of revenue came from special events instead of games. There's allegations of two sets of books, this, of course, goes to the salary cap as well. There's some issues that could come from the PA on this, and uh, it's just another story in a line of long stories. Well, I, I think this is uh, – It's a big one, though. Well, all, all of this is, is pointing to what's going to be the death blow for the current ownership situation in Washington. A couple things. One, class action lawsuits are going to be filed by the consumers, the people that had these uh, – Large sums of money were essentially given to the team for their luxury seating and then not refunded. They were trying to find creative ways to not give it back. There will be a class action lawsuit for that. And then when you start taking food off of the table of family, that's a major problem. And when I say food off of the table for family, there are 31 other owners in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. And if this is even remotely close to being truthful, that they had two sets of books to, to find ways to funnel money away from the shared revenue aspect, Daniel Schneider's done. Mm. He is done. It's a big story, certainly. Um, your dad's here today. Pops Lodge. is in town. Yeah. Good to see you. Thank Pops you for joining here. us. In from Texas, Mr. Our live Lagerman. studio audience. Mr. Lagerman in here. Uh, tonight, our thanks to Joe Fortunato. Brent Reber on the video side and offensive coordinator Press Taylor joined us tonight. Thank you uh, for your time. Uh, for Jeff Lagerman, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We will catch you next time. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.